This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. No. This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy Presents I'll See You Soon Written by I Promise I'm Not a Raccoon And narrated by Danielle Hewitt The sign, although engulfed in flames, was pretty easy to read. Welcome to hell. You know what you did. As we lined up in front of those cold black gates getting ready to open. We had the briefest of moments to chat and get acquainted. I learned that the man next to me was a serial killer. Murdered four different hitchhikers throughout the 80s and buried them somewhere outside of Seattle. He said that the night that he died and hopped on that rickety bus heading south, he saw one of the hikers trying to flag a ride. The boy behind him had killed a homeless man coming home drunk after celebrating his girlfriend's 17th birthday. He had downed half a bottle of vodka and passed out behind the wheel before the front of his car collided with the unfortunate vagabond's head. While the impoverished gent died pretty much instantly from a moderate to gently crushed skull, the boy was not so fortunate. No, an object in motion tends to stay in motion, unless acted upon or colliding with an outside force. In this case, a tree. The splintering sheet metal of the car's outer shell had sliced a deep head lesion that only two hours later took his life in the hospital. Funny enough, once the gates opened, and we all mushed together as a crowd onward, the kid ended up running into and toppling over some unsuspecting soul. To his horror, and my delight, it was the same homeless man he had mentioned before. Whoever said hell was all pain and suffering never took a moment to enjoy the scenery along the way. Hell is efficient. I'll give you that. Although we started off as one big line, they split us up into two the closer we got to processing. Anyone who practiced law, civil service, or started a fad food diet to the left, please. A wrinkly-looking monster spoke. We will be here for millennia at least if you don't do this one little thing. Once again... Anyone who has practiced law, civil service, or started a fad food diet to the left, please. It paused for a moment, squinting at a raised hand. If you got federal holidays off, and it was considered low-carb, then yes, it counts. I watched the hand falter then slowly fall. As the owner made his way left, I couldn't help but wonder which one had got him. The way the creature scowled as it uttered the words, Federal Holidays. I hoped for their sake, they had just been low-carb. The leftmost line wasn't booming, but it was busy. Since we were at a halt in ours, 
I took a chance and leaned over toward a particularly gnarled-looking hooked-horned demon and asked, Are they going to get tortured? I watched as he tentatively angled his horned head left, then right before he leaned in himself and spoke with a voice like nails on a chalkboard. Only for a few thousand years. It's mainly just to wash away the bulk before processing. Makes it easier on the scribes. I nodded and watched him fall back into place. I stared briefly as he made his way towards a feeble-looking man and impaled him with the iron rod in his claws, slipping a handful of hot coals down his open wound before throwing him to the back of the line. There are three wild misconceptions here. Firstly, it's that time flows differently when you're down here. It actually flows the same, and they make a point of it. The first chamber you walk through is filled end-to-end in loud ticking clocks. It's also very inclusive. In my 50 years down here, I never saw a single time zone. Active or decommissioned, that was left out. There was even a sundial complete with a burning red ball of fire we had to walk past for those who had never been acquainted with a clock. The ticking itself can drive you mad, but the ooing and aahing as everyone spots the particular time zone and decides then and there is the best time to regale you with where they're from, what the weather is like, when to visit, and what tourists just do and don't understand is especially irritating. I think that's the real punishment of that room. It was to me anyway. Oh, I forgot to mention. If you don't keep track of your time, when they ask you at the desk, you have to repeat the whole process all over again. And no, that doesn't mean commit what you saw to memory. It means count the seconds up to when they ask you as well. Learn from my mistakes. After the clock room, we get one minute with family. Any family that might be lounging around in hell is dragged up and obligated to visit. They'll tell you every detail of what they did and how they're paying for it. For anyone lucky enough not to have even a second cousin laying around down there, you are entitled to five whole minutes possessing a real, living, breathing human being. Just remember, whatever you do while up there counts against both you and them when the time is up. This is where things get muddy for me. As I sat down at that cold metal table... I was greeted to a frantic and insane-looking woman. My supposed mother. I was sure I had never met her in my life. And something in the glint of her eye let me know she thought so too. I have many speculations on why she didn't say anything. But seeing the tired look in her frightened eyes made me think she was just happy to get a break. She told me about all the horrible things they do here. How on her first night, the demons strung her upside down by her entrails and forced cockroaches down every place they could. They stuck hooks the size of hands through every patch of skin they could and pulled in opposite directions. They pulled out every organ and force-fed it to her while they told her about her sister in the next room over. She recounted her torture at the hands of the creature that sent shivers down my spine. I couldn't help but start to cry. In that world of endless pain, I reached out and softly held her hand. Her exhausted eyes stared at the gesture before they met mine. As I softly squeezed and reassuringly rubbed the back of her hand with my thumb, I saw the wrinkles and scars dissolve, as the faintest bit of humanity still flickered behind those glossy eyes. 
With one last squeeze, and the kindest tear-stained smile I could offer, I watched the one piece of her left refuse to break as a piece of my own fell to ashes. While she was forced to her feet once more, and disappeared down that dark passageway. All she could do was stare at her hand, smiling as she sobbed. This is the second misconception. That all of the horrors you'll face are worse than the ones you feel. In this dark, desolate nightmare world, the pain never stops. And you never suffer alone. The real punishment here is knowing they've broken you and the ones you love. Then watching them keep the shards after they're done gutting you with what they used to be. Once family time had come to a close, I followed the crowd and took my place in line waiting for my turn at the desk. The desk is where you'll be judged for every wicked action, terrible thought, and sinful deed you have ever committed. Here, every despicable action you did or influenced will be openly revealed to you and everyone in line. That includes your search history. You'll see the face of the one you love the most, cower in hatred and disgust, while you try to explain yourself to them. It doesn't matter what you do or say. You are, and always will, be irredeemably guilty. Once your undoubtedly extensive file is read off, the roles will switch. As punishment, you'll hear every thought, every deed, and every atrocity that will land your loved one down here with you. As punishment for your actions, they'll even show you their final moments along with their first five minutes in the vault. As I stood in front of that jet-black desk, I saw the face of my daughter, her angelic voice dripping with malice as she screamed my misdeeds. The affair, the violence, my slow decline into heroin, all of it. The worst of it, was when she put her tiny hand on my face, looked me deep in the eyes, and asked me, If I loved you more, would you still be alive? I was a mess. As I collapsed to the floor, clutching her tiny body, she wrapped around me in a cold embrace. It was then I saw her grow into an adult in front of my very own eyes. I saw the bruises on her skin, from all the hateful partners, bloom like flowers. The bloody cracks and track marks kissing her body as she got thinner and thinner. Still sobbing on the floor, I witnessed my little girl grow a sickly pale before crumbling into my arms. I heard the demon laugh as her breathing got more and more raggedy by the moment. I held her still body for only a second before the needle-thin hooks fell upon us from the darkness above. Screaming in horror, I watched helplessly as she was pulled in every which way ripping her skin open as bloody chunks hailed from the sky. I saw bones dangling as the blackened veins wiggled inside like worms. The muscle fibers twisted and constricted as the cracking sounds of the bones, paired with the organized screaming of her terrified voice. Oh my god! Make it stop! Please make it stop! Her wide, horrified eyes locked with mine. Although she had the body of an adult... Her voice seemed to defy nature. When she opened her mouth once more, all I heard was the voice of the little girl I'd left behind. Help me, Daddy. It hurts so much. I jumped to my feet and tried desperately to reach her. But the moment I was standing again, she was pulled away into the vast darkness that hung over us.
All I could register was the cackling at the desk. With a jab from the burning rod, I heard the monster scream. Next! Defeatedly, I trudged on. I want you to know that this is the hard part. I know everything I described before must have sounded terrible already. But this... This is the worst part. This is the part where you get tortured. Whatever you think you know about pain, I want you to throw it out the window. There is nothing that can compare to what happens inside that pitch black room. As I stood there, stark naked, I felt fear grip me harder than it ever has. For your sake, and mostly mine, I'll skip this part. Just know that when that vault door locks behind you, and the silence starts to become deafening, it's okay to cry. As the chains rattle around you, and you feel the long, sharp nails drag across your skin, it's okay to cry. I don't know how long I was in there. I don't even remember getting pushed out. All I can recall is the bright white was in the fetal position covered in blood, sweat, and tears when I felt the end of a clipboard start to jab at me. Fill this out. Once you're done, come talk to me. When I had finished composing myself, I grabbed it gently and took a seat nearby. All it asked was name and cause of death. As I walked to the creature, I felt myself shake. The ringing and buzzing in my ears just didn't seem to stop. The thing gave it a quick once-over before waddling down the long, narrow hallway, leading to the only door in sight. It stopped as it reached the foot of it, and turned to beckon me toward it. Nervously, I came closer. It said nothing as it opened the door, but I knew exactly who was sitting in that chair. He was like the good book said, a very handsome man. I had seemingly interrupted him from the paperwork at hand. I could tell from the double-take he took when he realized I'd entered his office. Ah, there you are. His voice reminded me of Morgan Freeman's, only less warm. Sit, sit, sit. He motioned to the two empty chairs that sat opposite his desk. Awkwardly, I pulled one out and sat myself down. A chair is a chair. But after what you go through here, anything even remotely cushioned is considered as close to heaven as you can get. He seemed to enjoy my reaction. As his lips parted, I saw a row of glistening white teeth that shone back. It was like a row of diamonds. Only he seemed to have just a few too many. Now, he began. You're probably wondering just what. And it's no pun intended. The hell you're doing here, huh, champ? Well, you see, there's a bit of a mix-up. Now I see how wide your eyes got, but no, I don't mean that kind of mix-up. Do you happen to remember when you first arrived here? I jogged my mind for a second as he looked over the sheet I'd just filled out. Oh good, you really did fill it out. He held up the paper excitedly for a moment with a grin. And it's actually legible. I was afraid you might have been one of the feral ones when you first walked in. When I first got here... The gates were closed. He nearly gave me a heart attack as he banged his fist against the table. Right. That explains it. I watched as he rubbed his temples and let out a loud groan. You'll have to forgive that. 
We recently got a new wave of scribes out of the vaults, who I swear can't tell their sins from their transgressions. I swear, if those damn centennials would just put down their New Testaments and act like de-civilized people, this place would run much smoother. You must remember Family Day. My heart seemed to ache as I recalled that frail woman. I hoped against all I knew that she was doing as close to okay as possible. After a moment of silence, I finally muttered, yes. I'm sure you already know she wasn't family. He had closed his eyes, still rubbing his temples. While you did have family here, you were designated for a five-minute possession. I'm terribly sorry that you never received it. But better late than never, huh? As we speak, we are hunting for the absolute best candidate we can for you to enjoy your time on Earth. With that, he smiled at me once more and patted my arm. We'll even double your time on us. I stared at him in utter disbelief. Excuse me, but if I have family here, why am I being allowed this? Shouldn't I be able to see them? I think this was the first time his snake-like smile had flickered in ages. Although he was still flashing that row of diamond dentures, I could see the hardness in his eyes. It felt like an eternity as we sat there in silence. His eyes were unmoving, but I could still see the wheels turning inside of his head. <laughs> I see the vault didn't dull you a bit. He narrowed his eyes as he prepared to speak. I'll let you in on a secret. Free of charge. Considering the nature of the situation we find ourselves in. Family time? It's all a trick. See, everybody winds up here. Every single soul, since the start of modern time, has always found its way back here. With good reason, too. I made sure of that. You see, we only offer the possession to people with family who are too feral to use properly. He had started pacing the room now, his brows furrowed and eyes tense. We were going to reunite you with your long-lost mother, but the scribe in charge of her section had misprinted her details the year before. When he went to retrieve her, he found her, let's say, not having a good day. So rather than telling me, he decided to pull a fast one and bring out the woman from the next cell over. Lovely Mrs. Katya. An absolute delight, I might add. Thinking no one would notice. He stopped abruptly and turned to face me. We noticed. Now after cleaning up his rather large mess, we find ourselves in the present situation. I hope this helped clear things up. It did, but one small detail stuck out to me. You said everyone winds up here. Sitting on the edge now, I drew from strength I didn't know I had left. Is there... Is there no heaven? Once again... Silence enveloped us, and his smile finally fell. The ringing I had felt coming out of the vault was still there, and seemed to accentuate his every move. Finally, he wagged his finger at me before turning his head and grinning. I like you. He took a step towards me but stopped after he saw me flinch. Instead, he returned to his seat. Nothing gets past you, does it? Maybe when you get back, we can talk about you becoming a scribe. 
He let out a deep sigh as his eyes went misty. Have you ever heard of my greatest trick? Now it was my turn to furrow my brow. You mean making the world think you didn't exist? With a clap of his hands and a reflexive startled jump from me, he broke into a laugh. Yes, that one, he said, still chuckling. That wild misconception. You people were so close, too. I didn't need to make you think I didn't exist. You were all so eager to do that yourselves. No. The greatest trick I ever pulled was making you think he would die for you. I mean, think about it. The all-knowing, all-watching Heavenly Father who made you of dust and bone and kicked you out for what? Eating an apple that he made and placed almost in a literal arm's reach away from you? Then the same guy goes about killing your entire civilization, almost twice over. Except maybe one or two of you on a raft full of cat pee. Because what? Because he didn't like the way you boogie down in Babylon? And then the same... He was full-blown laughing now, almost doubled over with delight at every word. Like it was a joke so funny, he couldn't even tell it without struggling to chuckle himself. The same guy comes down and says, Hey, I love you now. And even you guys didn't buy it. Well, I have to hand it to you there. He wasn't the same guy. That little rascal was none other than yours truly. See, while he was entitled to do whatever he wanted, so was I. At least I was the day he threw me out of that nice little gated community. I just... Well, I did it. He already hated you from the day you had eaten from the fruit of the loom. I just made it easier. I wrote that nice little self-help book and let the rest happen naturally. I didn't expect the fame, but it was a nice little surprise. Although, actually helping people became a bit annoying. I can see why he chose never to do it in the first place. He leaned in closer to me. I could see him salivating like a dog to a treat with every phrase. I gave you guys clues. Why would an all-loving deity mess with a fig tree and terrorize a village with? You'll love this. Actual demons who kill their pigs. I thought for sure that gave me away. No. All you people were so desperate to be loved that you just let it slide. Desperate for the love he never told you how to earn. When I was crucified, I just went home and let you come to me. He sat back with the most satisfied expression I'd ever seen. That was the greatest trick I ever pulled. As the door swung open and the awful creature came into view, he smiled one last time. I see your ride is here. As he led me out, I realized the door didn't lead back out into the waiting room like before. Instead, it just led down a hallway to another door. When he opened it, all that was there was a pitch-black room. I tensed and began to scream at the thought of my time in a similar pitch-black vault. All I saw were his coal-black eyes and sharp white teeth. All I heard before he pushed me in was his guttural voice as he whispered, I'll see you soon. So here I am, in the body of some D-list movie star somewhere in New York. 
taking full advantage of what's left of my two minutes and 16 seconds after writing this. I could tell I'm in trouble. I feel the burning already. I hear the chains and feel the hooks digging in. I just want you to know, I want you all to be ready. I've seen your name, and I'll see you soon. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, or to suggest stories for future episodes, please visit us at CreepyPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or email us at CreepyPod at gmail.com. All stories told on this podcast can be found at CreepyPastaWikia.com and are protected by a Creative Commons license. Some rights reserved unless otherwise stated. The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of horror queers, genre commentary from the LGBTQ perspective, SCP archives, The Boo Crew, listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts. Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object class Euclid Keter Safe Special containment procedures Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust <laughs> The only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing <laughs> Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.